text, the reading this morning is from Revelation chapter 5, and the Apostle John is speaking. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said Amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. Thank you, Chris. Well read. That's great. And uh, um, I just wonder, you have a think about all the things that are going on in the world at the moment. Uh, COVID, vac COVID vaccines are rolled out. 
But it's still months, isn't it? Possibly many months before we can uh, see any lifting of the restrictions. Uh, today is a rather important day, isn't it, for, uh, for Brexit and negotiations. And uh, will there be um, some kind of an agreement today? Will it be a different world tomorrow? Boko Haram wreaking havoc in northern Nigeria. Donald Trump still claiming that there's been a massive election fraud. The economic recovery, we're told, will take years, and uh, we're told that uh, we're facing two and a half million or more unemployment. It's an economic emergency. Well, we come to Revelation chapter 5 this morning, and we're living in a world where we're in the grip of a global pandemic, There is massive religious intolerance, there are huge political disagreements, and there is an economic emergency. It's tempting, isn't it, to think that, well, if there is a throne of the universe, then it's been vacated. That no one is actually in charge overall, and we're living in a world which is merely lurching from crisis to crisis, and you wonder what's going to happen this coming week. What's going to happen next year? And so on. Well, the book of Revelation has been written to a tiny minority of Christian believers. Some of them are being persecuted. Some have given up their first love. Some are lukewarm. Others are really not quite so sure about their faith anymore. Uh, some might well be looking around and thinking, well... Do I really want to be a Christian anymore? And in Revelation chapter 5, having been told very clearly in the previous chapter, last week Don was explaining to us that there is a throne in heaven. We're seeing this morning that the throne of heaven is occupied by a lamb. Now, one of the commentators wrote this about this chapter. The Lord who vacated his tomb has not vacated his throne. And this is a picture of heaven. This is a picture we're seeing this morning of the throne room of heaven. And the first thing we see, well, um, have a look there in in chapter 5 and verse 1. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So there is a throne. There's someone sitting on it. And on the right hand of him, there is a scroll. I mean, it's literally on the right hand of the one who's sitting on the throne. And uh, um, uh, this scroll, well, literally, it's uh, um, an accurate description of someone's will. Here's my will, or a copy of it. And, uh, And what it's saying is, literally, it's on the right hand of the one who's sitting on the throne. And what they're wanting to do is, uh, when it's on your hand, or you're holding out this and you're, it's like that, you're wanting to give it to someone. And the idea here is the will of God is on the right hand and he wants to give it to someone who is worthy to enact it, who is worthy to bring it about, who is able to make it happen. And so what he's saying here, that person is, in, in modern day language, is an executor. So they're looking for an appropriate, uh, someone who can actually be the executor of God's will. So we're seeing here 
God's will for the world. If you like, God's battle plan for history. And it's completely sealed up. There are seven seals we see there in the first verse. And they're looking for someone to open it, to enact it, to bring it about, to make it happen. An executor. And yet, you look at verse 3 there, and it says, But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, they've searched everywhere, could open the scroll or even look inside it. So there is a terrible situation here. There's a possibility that God's will will be unknown and unfulfilled forever. And that no one is able to do anything about that. That appalling situation is verse 4, why John wept and wept. Verse 4, I wept and wept because no one was found who is worthy to open the scroll and look inside. And, and the unthinkable thoughts. But then, as you read on in the very next verse, uh, it's so much better news. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And uh, when you read that, it says the, uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And triumph there ought to be written in about 24 point or 36 or 72 or something and in bold and underlined three times, okay? He's, we're talking about this is a triumph. You want to get this, guys. This is a triumph. This is fundamental. The lion of the tribe of Judah uh, has triumphed here. And the first thing we're seeing this morning, or the main thing we're seeing this morning, is this. Heaven is the place with a lamb on the throne. And the first thing to see and to understand is we're looking here about a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah in verse 5. Jesus, of course, described as a lion, descended from David, but actually the implication is he was before David, as well as being descended from David. That is the implication of the original. And he has triumphed. And the way that is expressed, it's partly the emphasis, but also to note and to see and to to get into our minds. This was a one-off event that they're referring to. It's pointing us to Jesus' death. On the cross. And then his resurrection from the dead. That is what it's pointing to. And because of this triumph, he's saying that Jesus is able to open and enact God's last will and testament for the world, for the, for the universe. Now I think so far, if you're thinking, well who, who are we looking for here? You'll be looking for an all-powerful conqueror. You'll be looking for someone uh, with majestic and glorious power. You'll be looking for a, a proven winner. The lion who is the unquestioned king of all the universe, of all places, for all time and everywhere. And John turns to see this person who is able to see and to open the scroll with a seventh seal and to enact God's will for the world, for the universe. And what does he see? He sees a lamb with its throat cut. A lamb with its throat cut. Look at verse 6. Then I saw... A lamb 
looking as if it had been slain. Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. We have a lion, is a lamb. A lion who's a lamb. This is penetrating and profound, isn't it? We're looking here at the most important person in the history of the world and the most important event in the history of the world. And John sees a lamb with its throat cut. And it's precisely because he is the slain lamb of God that Jesus is the lion who's a king. It is his death which qualifies him to break the seven seals, to open the scroll, to unroll it, and then to bring about God's purposes for the universe. And any good Jewish person who was hearing this or reading this and would immediately, even today, think the same thing. They would think Passover. Passover. Because on the night before the people of God fled Egypt, they slaughtered a lamb. And they put some of its blood over the door and down the doorposts. And then when God sent the destroying angel that night, he would pass over their homes. The lamb sacrificed in the place of the lives of God's people. On the 23rd of March, 2018, there's a French gendarme called Lieutenant Colonel Arnold Beltram. And he volunteered to take the place of a female hostage who was being held in a super, super U supermarket just near Carcassonne, down in the south of France being held there by an Islamist terrorist. Well, Arnold Beltram took the place of the woman and uh, the terrorist ended up stabbing and shooting the gendarme before the security forces stormed the supermarket and then they shot dead the terrorist. But Beltram could not be saved and he died from his injuries. And Colonel Arnold's brother, Cedric, told the French radio station in an interview, he said this, he gave his life for strangers. He must have known he didn't really have a chance. If that doesn't make him a hero, I don't know what would. Well, we have our hero here in Revelation Chapter 5, Jesus is the Lamb, sacrificed for the lives of his people, for you and for me. And it's because he's the Lamb that he's also the Lion, able to open the scroll, 
to read it, to bring it about, to make it happen. God's will for the world. Jesus is the lion because he's the lamb. Now, different countries have different symbols of power, don't they? So in Russia, it's a bear. In the States, it's an eagle. In the, well, in England, it's three lions on the shirt or on the cap, whatever it is. But God chooses the most powerful of all as his symbol of power. And it's a lamb with its throat slit. And he is the one, the only one, who is able to open the scroll, to reveal the contents, to bring them about. Uh, The lamb in verse 6, seven horns, divine power. Seven eyes, divine knowledge and insight. He is the one who has given himself for us and forever, our Savior and our Lord. This is our message. This is our life. This is what we long for people to see this Christmas time. Our baby Jesus, yes. But who is also the lion, who's the lamb. And what happens next? What happens after this? What happens next is extraordinary and wonderful. You look at verse 7. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. The response is in four parts here. And uh, the first one is this, fall down. Fall down. You look at verse 8, for instance, and uh, let's read that again. When he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down. And then uh, it's again in, in verse 14 there. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. The four living creatures represent all living things, every living creature on this planet, on this world. And the 24 elders, well, we saw them last week, they represent... of the 12 tribes of the Old Testament, the 12 apostles of the New Testament, and you 12 plus 12, 24. So you're talking here about the, the, uh, about the, 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 the true and full extent of God's people. It's us. It's you and me. And what are they doing here? What does every living creature do? Well, what every single one of God's people do? What, what do they do? They fall down. Probably means literally on on their face before the Lamb. Every living being, every one of God's people on their faces, falling down before Jesus on his throne. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Ever feel like that's what you want to do? But you don't because you're English and most of us watching live in Hove, I guess. Ever been so struck by the wonder of Jesus and his gospel, of the Lamb of God who died for us, that you just want to fall down and worship before him? Theologian Karl Barth wrote this once, Christian worship is the most urgent, the most glorious action that takes place in human life. And I love that story about Queen Victoria saying, I wish he, Jesus, would come in my lifetime so that I could take off my crown and lay it at his feet. 
And if you cast your eye over the rest of chapter 5, do read it again later on. It's an extraordinary chapter of the Bible. Just catch the exuberance. Just catch the feeling. Just catch the passion, the commitment to worship. And you, if you ever, ever feel your worship is pretty feeble by comparison, I do. An awful lot. Weak, distracted, half-hearted. Lord, please make us all a really worshipping bunch of your people here at Bishop Annington and Holy Cross Churches. See the prayers. See the prayers in verse 8 there. You see them? If you ever thought your own prayers are going nowhere, then read verse 8 here. Uh, incense rising in the throne room of heaven and then the absolute gutting for us at the moment verse 9 they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation and uh, you read these verses here and you say I want to sing and we're not allowed to at the moment in the building you can do it at home it's great to be here gathering together in the building. That's a wonderful thing to do. It's good to do. But it's still a bit frustrating. We need to keep behind our masks here in the building, our lips closed. Hum loudly, but we're not allowed to sing. And that will be the case for a little while yet. There's going to be a different Christmas. But actually, that's what we need to do. That's what we will do because we will follow the government guidelines. Because that's what we do as a church. But sing your hearts out at home. Sing your hearts out loud. And uh, look forward to that day when one day we will be able to sing in here again. So that's the first thing. We're going to fall down. It's worship every day, every Sunday. It's the business of heaven. And it is the business of Christian people right here, right now. Then look at verse 10. <clears throat> Serve. Verse 10 says this. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Now service Actually, it's, it's what we're made for. As Christian people, it's what we're made for. The service of God and therefore the service of others. And we serve God by serving others, don't we? Service is the lifeblood of Christian lives. I mean, there are so many people involved in, in service uh, here at BH, just putting the service on. I'm just looking at the tech team at the back there at the moment, for instance. And uh, thank you guys for serving us this morning. Uh, that is those at home and those in the building as well. Thank you. And, uh, uh, and we can all serve. I mean, why not? Be, wouldn't it be great if we can get that, that, uh, the curtain behind me actually covered in these baubles? Just a bit of red or green card, a plate, draw around it, little design, and pop it in. Uh, there'll be a box just in the entrance by the, uh, the officer by Thursday. That would be a terrific thing, wouldn't it? And, uh, and, and what we want to do, is, of course, is get more and more people serving. Well, that's one that, that isn't just for parents and younger children, by the way. The baubles are for everyone. So we can all serve in that, in that little way. And we serve because Jesus served. Sometimes it seems almost something that's peculiarly wrong about Christian, a Christian who has 
been served by the Lamb of God and yet just themselves isn't quite serving people yet. So service. And then linked on with that is go. Look at verse 9 there. And uh, just at the end of the verse, with blood you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Every tribe and language and people and nation. That's a beautiful picture of heaven, isn't it? Full of people from all these tribes and places and so on. And also it's a, it's a very strong mandate for world mission. You could help populate, populate heaven, you know. Through your prayers. Through your giving. Through your adopting a mission partner. Through your giving them a buzz. I got a note in my diary to give Jimmy Webb a buzz on Friday. So I will. And I just saw that a time to uh, give Katie Bennett a buzz before Christmas uh, over in New Zealand. So we will do that. Um, just think about that. All our mission partners. Um, I was speaking to Nelson over in Brazil fairly recently. Need to give them a buzz as well before Christmas. And so on. And uh, um, well, why don't leave it to us. You know. Anyone can do that. Give them a buzz. Have a chat. See how they're doing. Ask them what we can pray for. Um, uh, so we can do that. We can get involved. Actually, we could go. Like Susanna. Still waiting to find out where she's going to go to, to help translate the Bible. Uh, hopefully it will be Ethiopia. It's not very safe at the moment. Pray for wisdom for Wycliffe Australia as they make that decision for Susanna and where she will go. But go. We're a going church. Be lovely to have more from here who go. And then uh, finally, and just fairly briefly, uh, enjoy. Enjoy. Um, uh, just look at this. Uh, um, the angels, they're, they're just innumerable, aren't they? Look at, look at verse 11. Now they looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice, which we can't do just yet in here, uh, they were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. Wonderful. Wonderful. And then they're, and they're joined by every living creature and every redeemed person in verse 13. Now I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. The elders fell down, worshipped. Heaven and earth joining together to worship the Lamb who was slain. And every, everyone joins in in one mighty, deafening chorus of praise. Fervent, incredible, passionate, heartfelt, profound enjoyment. Like nothing we've ever experienced here on earth. But we will experience it for all eternity. Over the top? No? No, absolutely not. Not a bit of it. No, no, no. It's impossible to be uh, over the top in the praise of Jesus, the Lamb who is slain. And in heaven, we'll join angels, thousands, tens of thousands, and all redeemed creation singing his praises for all eternity. And we won't get bored, and we won't get fed up, and we won't be thinking, oh, when's this going to get over? No. And today... We can worship and praise Jesus the Lamb because our destination is heaven. 
and we can cope with the world now. We can cope with the frustrations and disappointments and, you know, we'll be back to normal at some point. Not just yet, but we can cope with the here and now and all that the world throws at us, whatever the first part of next year is going to be like and all the rest of it and a, and a, and a bit of a frustrating Christmas because, you know, we're only allowed three families over that five five day period aren't we or three groups household groups and so on not three then three then three but just the three and it is frustrating and it is difficult but we can cope with that because we're looking forward to heaven we're looking forward to the greatest praise party ever forever as we worship fall down before the lamb who was slain